Hey guys, this is Ray from Malayu Bajika American and this is the latest episode. We're going to be talking about the state of mind in the times of COVID. And we're going to be talking about it with a very good friend of mine named Amanda Chiang. So, let's get to it. Peace out. Hey guys, here's a little PSA before we start the show. So I'm trying to help out uh, these small businesses by giving them a little shout out through my podcast for free. And one of the business is called Alpha Lipid Lifeline. So a good friend of mine is is doing this as her small business. Her name is Nafisa. Nafisa, this one's this one's for you. So Alpha Lipid Lifeline can actually help improve gut health and increase your immune system. And if you want to try this product, you can call my friend Nafisa. You can give her a buzz at 012-566-1406. That is 012-566-1406. So guys, if you want to support and help out this small business, uh, Alpha Lipid Lifeline is the name. And give my friend Nafisa a call for further information. Thanks for the help, guys. Um, hey, welcome again to Malayu Bachika American MBA. My name is uh, my name is Ray, and <laughs> and we are today uh, with a special guest, a special uh, a good good friend of mine. Her name is Amanda Cheng. Did I pronounce that correctly? Did yeah. I, okay. So um, I, I've known Amanda for quite some time during her advertising years. So okay, Amanda, I just want to ask you, what are you currently doing now? Okay, currently I'm working in HR. Well, they gave, I, I actually entered uh, as a recruitment executive, but now they have named me HR everything because I take care of all aspects of the employees' welfare and uh, well-being. So I can make use of my skills that I've learned into the job. So I create my own job scope. I create my own goals. I propose it to the boss and then they're happy with it. And then I just run. And I have a great job, I must say, because I have so much space to just express myself and, you know, to do what I'm passionate of. And the bosses are very, very supportive. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, um, just a side note, if there's anything that you feel uncomfortable, don't worry. We will delete it. We will edit it um, because I don't want to get my guests in trouble with their employees or people that they might know of or the people in the industry. So just let me know when you say like, okay, Ray, off, off. No, no. Just let me know, okay? All right. Okay. Got it. Okay. Um, so it's interesting. Um, what you do right now is a complete opposite of what you did before. Now, I have to ask you this. Why the switch? Why the switch from advertising to this? Uh, okay. So, first of all, I'm already I'm 33 years old this year. When I joined advertising, that was 9, years, nine 10 years ago when I was 24. And the reason why I joined advertising is I really didn't know what I wanted to do in life. But people always say, hey, you're good at this, you're creative, you know, you know how to talk to people and all. So I ventured into the industry without really thinking much. And that's pretty much how I go about in life as well. And there's a theory for this. It's called 
the happenstance theory, which means you go along with what happens to you. The happenstance, so okay. Yeah, happenstance theory. So it was all good in the first year, but um, I was in a small digital advertising agency, but they grew pretty big right now. Uh, and then I thought I wanted to learn more because it's a boutique agency. I felt like I need to go to the bigger guys, you know, to really see what it is like in the real world. So in 2012, that's when I met you. I went into this agency called Naga DDV, which was, uh, I would say, the catalyst for uh, the change that I went through in my career. So I, I went in all confident, thinking that, you know, I can do anything in life because I've been blessed with, um, I've been blessed with a lot of things in my life. So I've always passed my exams really easily. I've always managed projects really well. I've always get a lot of acknowledgement from bosses. So I didn't really have any failure before, I would say. So in 2012 in Naga DDB was actually my first failure. It was so bad that I need to see a psychiatrist to calm myself down because there was a lot of pressure, you know, the whole culture is different. Like these are like the real sharks, you know, in the corporate world. So after a year, I finally decided like, no, I couldn't take this anymore. This is affecting my mental health and nothing else is more important than that. I quit. And then, you know, I was just bumming around for six months. And then my ex-boss from the small agency called me and gave me another chance, gave me a promotion. So I went back to digital advertising again. And then the funny thing is the same loop happened again. So whenever I was about to make a breakthrough, I kind of like get into so much anxiety that I couldn't think anymore. So in theory, it is called the freeze response. So when we are met with a threat, we have three responses. We either fight, we flight, or we freeze. And because of my conditioning, since I was young, so I freeze and I couldn't think anymore, you know? All of a sudden I felt like, hey, am I stupid? Like I couldn't even answer like very, very basic questions or I couldn't comprehend anything at all. So I, I tried that once in Naga BDB, I had that once. And then I had it a second time when I was in the digital advertising agency. And I thought to myself, you know what? Fuck this, maybe this job is not for me, you know? Maybe my calling is something else. So I gave up and I thought like, you know, since I've been really interested in the human behavior and psychology, like since I was 15 or something. So I thought to myself, like, why not start over? You know, I was 26 back then. And I heard about this course, this master master's course, which don't require me to have a psychology degree. So I went into it with the intention of switching jobs, switching mm. my career, mm. giving myself a second chance, you know, but it went into a whole other realm of like soul searching, self-reflection, looking at what, looking at who I really am, what is my life purpose, and also like overcoming all the obstacles that I have externally and internally. Um, yeah, I would say that's pretty much um, 
based on the happenstance cherry as well, I just stumbled across this opportunity and I hopped on it. And I think the only thing that I have is to have faith in keep on, you know, going on with life, following the flow and keep believing that something good will happen out of it. And also because um, I've been struggling with depression since I was 15 years old, actually, uh, like clinical depression, like I have to see a shrink and all, you know. Mm. So I, since, since young age, I've developed a lot of um, coping strategies. I've also read a lot and I even think about my own uh, ways of living, of how I can cope with the current situation. And so that how I ended up, like, the funny thing is, after doing my master's in counseling psychology, uh, sorry, am I talking too much right now? Or do you want to ask another question? No, no, please, please continue. This is a good flow <laughs> for me. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm learning now. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was saying that, you know, uh, I quit advertising and then I went into this master's. So I think a lot of people don't have that luxury because it does cost a lot. Mm, okay. So on the side, I still do freelance um, because of the good uh, rapport that I've built with my ex-bosses and clients. Mm. I still have a lot of opportunities and honestly, they pay better than <laughs> paycheck to paycheck. Mm. So um, after master's, five years of struggling with it, right? So, so uh, I didn't expect that in, in the, during the course, you know, life happens. My dad passed away. I had, uh, I broke up. I had a really relationship and I broke up and then I didn't have enough money to go on anymore. So Initially, it was a three-year plan and it turned into a five-year plan because I had to take two years in between. The first year is to get better myself mentally. I was seeing a therapist uh, for a year and the second year, I was working really hard so that I can earn enough money to actually finish my studies. Because if I don't finish it in the fifth year, that's it. I have to start all over again. So I mustered up all my courage and just did it anyway. But you know what the irony is? Yeah, you have something to say. No, 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 continue. You were saying the irony is? The irony. After graduating, so they told us about how great this course is, mm. but they didn't tell us how tough the job market is. Mm, okay, okay. I couldn't find a job for six months. No way. No, no way. No, 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 no. But, oh, okay, okay. So, so what happened? So again, <laughs> I just went with the flow. I talked to a couple of people. I was announcing to people that I'm looking for a job and all. And I don't know why, but I've always been very lucky. Like people always, like in my career, people always come and offer me something, you know. So this acquaintance that I've had, I've known him for eight years. I'm not even close to him. One day we were just out like randomly drinking. I, I was telling him about uh, my situation. You know, we've studied so hard. We have all these qualifications, but nobody recognizes it. And, you know, because of my nine years of advertising uh, experience, people who hire me will actually give me like 50% of what I used to earn, but expect you to do counseling and marketing and advertising and sales. Mm. So I've been like, I'm gonna name. I'm not gonna name the the, the, the institutions, but one of the of course no major major colleges 
No who worries. like the no. major college who like uh, they produce a lot of lawyers. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Was like, but, yeah. Cool. So okay. what do you have to offer? Can you do marketing? I was like, and the pay scale is actually three thousand five. Mm. And I was like, if you're offering me, if you're asking me to do all this, I'm gonna ask for more. Mm. And he immediately rejected me. Okay. Okay. So that's how difficult it is um, in Malaysia. Of course, like mm. in the states, you wouldn't have this kind of problems. Mm. Mm. So yeah, uh, back to my friends. So he offered me a job in his company as a recruitment executive. So at first I thought like, okay, recruitment is not really my thing, but you know, there's still some principles I can apply when I'm recruiting. Mm. And three months now, down the road, it turned out pretty well. It turned out pretty well because I've been able to utilize all of my skills to attract talents into the company. And also, um, the best part is I can do motivations, trainings, leadership trainings, one-to-one counseling, mentorship, and all sorts of things. And um, I created all this job scope by myself. Like, I'm supposed to be only recruiting, but I'm doing more than that. So the company is more than happy because it's not what they expected. Mm, mm, okay. So yeah, that's a pretty long explanation. But, <laughs> no, no, but I feel that uh, your journey and how you started out and how the obstacles you face, I think at the end of the day, it kind of just make you stronger because to be honest, Mandy, I think you are a strong woman. When I first met you, I, I admire your tenacity, your your perseverance, and you can still put up a smile. But I did not know about the other part of you, about the um, where you were you were in depression. So because because um, for me, I I see like okay, if someone like Mandy can handle shit from clients, can handle shit from the bosses, nothing can stop her. Um, that's my perception. So when you told me that. You had a clinical depression. I was like, "That's that's not possible," you know, because you have so much thing going on. You 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 have you. I mean, you have you have your parents. You have a, you don't have a lot of uh, commitments and so on and so forth. Uh, you can travel and things are going well for you, you know. And I was a bit taken aback. It's like, really, clinical depression? Because um. Because uh, just to share with you, I went into a depression um, like last year when I was uh, retrenched. So, so maybe your, I mean, I can't imagine what you're going through when you were young. But when I was into that depression, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to be out with my colleagues and my friends. I actually, actually cold turkey from a lot of people. And the only person that, that knew what I was going through was uh, my, my cat and, and my wife. And the best part is that, um, see, I'm, I'm choking up talking about it, is that, uh, um, is that my wife was not... Um, <clears throat> breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> so, so my wife was not working because I didn't want her to work. I wanted her to relax and let me handle the, the, the whole responsibility, you know. But right. when I was uh, retrenched, I just, I, I just didn't know what to do. And in my mind was like, okay, you know what? I need to just take any freaking job that pays like probably 50 or 40% less than my salary. Um, I need to survive and, you know. And, and interestingly enough, when I was at that low point between a rock and whatever, um, interestingly enough, 
there was I was a bit of I was a bit lucky, like how you said you had a bit of luck in this stance as well, that an offer came in just before my retrenchment period was up, which was like the last third month, you know. And and even though it was a six month gig, I, I had to take it, I had to sink a swim, I had to survive. And and they had to pay me just a little bit less, which is fine. And um and then and then I, I actually thought like I need to talk to someone else just in case I go through the same thing again because it is scary. It is really scary to be in that depression place. It was really hard for me to wake up. Uh, anything that I, I lost appetite, I lost, I, I didn't want to eat actually. So it was, it's, it's scary. And if it were to happen again in the future, I wouldn't know how to deal with it. So thankfully, things are okay now, you know? So when I, when I heard that, I was like, Shit, that's I, I I can't imagine. Yours is probably tenfold when you went through that clinical depression, and 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 the fact that you are you have a master's, and then you cannot get a job, and then you don't want to fall back into the advertising shark place, you know, because it affects your sanity. I I didn't know what to do, you know, uh, but thankfully you're fine, which is great. Now now the thing is if this were to happen again let's say you have to go through this thing again do you know how to overcome it are you more well prepared you know um so yeah how how do you know how to prepare if this happens again to you it will happen again okay okay it will happen again and again and again i'm sorry did you get that or was the line cut off no no i heard it, uh, you said you're yeah, sorry but it will happen again and again and again yeah, it will come in all forms, you know. Maybe you'll have a divorce. Mm. Maybe you'll have a death of a parent. Yeah. And the hardest one, a death of a child mm. and all that. Mm. And of course, retrenchment is also one of them because it hits our in our ego, you know. Like mm. it hits us, it hits our self-worth. Like it makes us question who we are. Mm. And am I worthy of living like, it's, it's, what I, it's what I've been doing all this while meaningful, you know, it hits us in, in every sense, right? And it's really difficult. Mm. Uh, so I would say like what you have gone through, uh, I don't know, some people bounce back really quickly because of how their psychological makeup is. Mm. Some people don't because it really depends on the individual, their upbringing, how much support system do they have, if they have any coping mechanisms. Mm. But the thing is, um, believe it or not, when you look at me like this and it seems like I have a fabulous life, I have no worries at all, I'm always positive. Every fucking single day, I am fighting the illness. Okay. Every day. Okay, alright. I have no words to describe to other people. Mm -hmm. How hard is it to just stay alive every single day? Okay. <laughs> Difficult. It's not easy. Okay. But it doesn't mean it's not doable, you know, it's possible. Okay. But then uh, you have gone through it, so you must be uh, stronger than ever, right? The thing is, there's no shortcut. There's no, there's, you know, there's already enough of tips and advices out there on telling people how to get over depression. Mm. And I think sometimes it's too much that it creates a, uh, a lot of pressure for people who are going through it. It's like, hey, 
you know, they say like, think positive. Hey, they say like, you know, go exercise. Hey, they think this, they think that. Why is it still not helping me? And why do I not have the will to do it? The thing about depression is you have to sit through it. There's no other way. Okay. Because any other way is a distraction. Mm. And distractions usually doesn't last long. You need more and more and more. Mm. And you know what's the next thing after distraction? Mm. Could you guess? Another dis- distraction? Uh huh. And when it becomes so much that you depend on it, what does it become? Uh, addiction? I don't know. Yeah, uh, addiction. <laughs> oh, okay. I did not know that. But how does it become an addiction though? Because a lot of us depend on so many things to overcome depression. Some people drink, some people, mm. you know, the abuse of prescription drugs is a really big thing in the US right now. Okay. Like things like uh, opiate drugs, uh, I can name a few, maybe Cerebrex, maybe um, Tramadol and things like that. It helps to numb them, mm. but the pain is still inside, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so those are not so healthy coping mechanisms. So what I've learned is you just have to keep doing it one day at a time. Mm. Like, look, you have a mental health issue, right? Mm. You're depressed. Mm. First of all, you cannot compare yourself to any normal people out there. It's not fair. Of course. You're not, you're not being fair to yourself. Okay. Sure. The best thing that you can do is to be kind to yourself mm. and... You know, the the magical thing about kindness is when you put yourself in that place, mm. start to thrive. Okay. Because you're no longer under pressure. Mm. You don't, you no longer feel that, you know, I need to get out of this. Mm. I need to solve this. Mm. I need to do this. I'm useless. I'm worthless. Like, mm. what am I doing to myself? Why can't I just get myself out of this rut? All this negative self-talk is not going to help. The thing is, when you practice kindness to yourself, mm. you tend to have more energy to just live life every day, to go through the challenges that you go through. Mm. I think the big part, the big umbrella word for it is self-acceptance. Okay. Knowing that, okay, here's the thing. Uh, self-acceptance, agree, definitely. But... Right now, at this current time, with COVID happening, do you think people would, would care about these things now? Or they're just in the survival mode? Uh, we are definitely in the survival mode. So no, we can't care about these things, you know. We, we are like, we're almost like at war right now. Like, okay. uh, so, you, uh, so there's four basic things. I'm going to quote Mark Manson, my favorite author of all times. Oh. So he said there's four things, okay. right? Adopt a new religion. Okay. And it's called self-discipline and routine. So you need to adopt a new religion. It's called self-discipline and routine. Okay. Yes. It's care of the basic health. So your, your food, your sleep, your rest. The third thing... Uh, wait, I forgot. Let me recall. Okay, make use of this time to mend your relationships because mm. there's no other excuse right now. Mm. Mm. Right? Okay. And the fourth thing is to remember that you are not alone. Mm. Okay. Right? 
So there are two aspects to what these four commandments, uh, how it relates to mental health. First of all, depression stems from the feeling of being isolated and being alone. Oh, but when okay. you know that you're not alone, it makes us feel much better. Okay. And also, secondly, your rest, your food, your exercise, your diet, it affects so much of mental health. People always undermine that. It's like whatever food you put into your body is basically the fuel for your brain. So mm. if you're putting crap into your body, what, how is your brain going to react to that? True. So if you're depressed and you're eating like Maggie Mee and Roti Chana every day, that's not going to help you. Yeah. True, true. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Yeah. 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 Um, so, okay. Okay. So, so I mentioned relationships as well. Mm, and yes. I think that is uh, the fundamental need of human being because we are, uh, we are human beings, you know, we are. Oh. Man, Hello. Are Man, you still there? Mandy. Hello. I think, yeah. Yeah. I'm still here. But I think you need to repeat the part where you say that we are human beings. We need to, and then and then you just got disappeared after that, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are human beings. Yes. So, uh, one of the most important basic need for human beings are actually love and belonging. It thrives beyond survival needs. You know why? why? A lot of people who have their survival needs met, survival needs met, mm. they still commit suicide. No. But, they do. But if you have all your needs, it's like Maslow's the hierarchy, why would they commit suicide? doesn't make sense. Well, Maslow's hierarchy is for management. That's business. Uh, and you know that, right? Yes, okay. okay. And we're, we're using psychology, psychological theories now. So we're looking at more of the heart than the mind. Okay. Yeah, maybe for the mind, mm. survival needs triumph. Mm. Uh, belonging needs but you can't deny that like who would you be without family friends and a wife that loves you you know you'll be True. nobody even with all the money and that's why a lot of wow okay um but that sounds quite harsh you know it's like you have all what you need you, you have everything that you need you have money but without the love from other people you are still nothing that is just like a slap in the face. Like, well, that is the lie that capitalism has sold to you that money means everything. Yeah. If they hadn't made you think that way, why would you work so hard to earn money? I mean, it's some kind of religion, you know, if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> capitalism is not religion, though. Uh, it's necessary. You sure about that? I, I don't have I don't have the data or the facts, but um, capitalism keeps us going, no? Uh, yeah, it keeps us going. You know, definitely, it it makes civilization happen. Yes, correct, correct. Of course. Uh, and and religion is different. Religion is about faith. Faith that doesn't need money, that doesn't need uh, approval from your bosses or the need to buy stuff. So it's, I feel it's two different things. Okay, <laughs> let me ask you one question then. Okay. Do you believe that money can actually change your, can actually bring you happiness? It, uh, uh, well, it can bring me uh, my car. 
it can bring me my my laptop uh, and travel. So in a way, yes, honestly speaking. Uh, okay, let's say you have the minimum threshold met, right? You have a shelter, you have food, yes. you have safety. Yes. Does anything more than that bring you more happiness? Uh, no, that's enough. Actually, it's okay. I, I'm all right. Yeah. Those are my four things that is that is necessity for me. Yeah, but does anything more than that brings more happiness? Any, what do you think? Anything more than beyond those things bring me happiness? Does uh, it bring you more happiness? Oh, what is your belief system that I'm talking about right now? Does it bring more happiness? Yeah. Actually, it's a good it's a good question that that I don't have an answer though. I I assume that. When you have more gadgets, when you have more this, more that, you are fine and you are okay. You are, you are, hap I mean, guaranteed happy, I guess, you know. That's my assumption. That's my assumption. I don't speak for the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think what you're talking about reflects very well on what most people believe in. So when I say religion, I don't mean like praying to God or believing in like something but it's a belief system okay <laughs> so capitalism has made you believe in having more money means more happiness and everything's gonna be fine but it doesn't work that way do you know that people who are not happy there are actually research that proves that i mean it doesn't come from me okay well okay here's the thing warren buffet richest man in the world and he looks happy. He has stocks, he has bonds, he has shares. He's rich. He he looks happy, I think. I think. I assume. So is it a belief system or is it necessity? So that's the thing. Is he really happy? Because even I myself can like bluff you that I'm having this fantastic life and you didn't know that I was depressed all the while. You think I'm strong and all yeah. these things, you know? Yeah, right. And Warren Buffet have media, PR, yeah. marketing and everything to make him to make people believe yeah. what he is. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So your point being though? So I'm going a bit far from the topic we're talking about capitalism and it's all cool. that, right? It's cool. Belief is so, cool. Yeah, we were talking about like love and belonging being a basic human need. Yes. So that makes us different from the rest of the animals mm. and all. Mm. So uh, depression, uh, also one of the reasons why people are depressed is because they don't feel love and belonging. Mm. Mm. Okay. Right. So that's why the four the four rules that I quoted Mark Manson is mm. to actually mend the relationships and people don't know how much. And I mean, like after I've mend my relationship with my mom, it's like I'm a totally different person okay. in relationships, in friendships, and everything else. Yeah. Okay. So pan pandemic, right? We can't really do much because we don't have a lot of freedom of going out and all that. So routine really keeps you sane. Mm -hmm. So I have to confess, of course, I've listened to some of your podcasts okay. and I've heard your opinions of how people are posting videos on social media. Are they doing too much and yeah. whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so here's the the beautiful thing about human being as well, which is going to answer your previous question. Like, how do you overcome and make sure that you know you can take it the next time when it hits? Right. We all have um, survival needs built into us, you know. So um, when we are really low. Because that is going to determine how well they cope with this whole MC. And one of them, unfortunately, is they would do exercise, take videos, and post it on the social media. Okay. That's also one of coping mechanisms. Ah, it might not. Be, it might not be your cup of tea. It might not okay. be because they're a bit too high profile. I know Ray is like a low profile. He like like he believes in humility and also he hates all these show offs and stuff. But I, yeah. I guess what would help at these times is to be a little bit less judgy and to just let people be. No, because I, that's how that's how we're gonna go through this pandemic, this difficult times together. You know. I agree with you. Um, I didn't see that as a coping mechanism, uh, because I, I thought I was like, "Hey, it's only like a month, you know. It's not that bad." But you're right. I was I was being judgmental. I didn't apply. Hold it right there. Hold it right there. So that's a good point. You said that. Well, it's only been been a month. It wasn't that bad, right? Yeah. What if someone tells you? Hey, it's just a retrenchment. Could it be that bad? Um, well, but the guy is not seeing is not seeing from my shoe of the things that I'm going. Exactly. <laughs> Are you seeing from their shoes? I know. It's my bad. I I was lacking empathy. I was lacking empathy. So No, so... it's it's okay. It, you're not lacking empathy. It's just that um it's uh, it's really a skill to be accepting and to be kind and to be compassionate. And sometimes when we don't have it for ourselves, we don't have it for other people. Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess when I did that uh, comment, that snap judgment, in my mind I was thinking like, hey, even before this, social media was not that bad. It's just that when the, the pandemic came in. It just became it became overwhelming, which is, to me, it's a bit weird. It's like, oh, okay, but you put it, it's a coping mechanism. Cool, got it, lock it, done. So that means that everyone who's on TikTok, everyone who's on this, it's a coping mechanism. Awesome, I got it. See, <laughs> yeah. For now, I'm sure it will die down yeah. after a while. I, I mean, it, I mean, it has to be someone from the outside looking at me the way I'm judging things to snap me out of it, you know? Because, uh, I mean, I want to say that I'm an, I'm an introvert. So, I'm an introvert, but I, some, I, I sometimes put on my extrovert clothes to talk to people, to talk to clients, you know? So, when I'm at home and I'm seeing like this barrage of social media on pandemic, I was like, wow, you guys really need attention so bad. Never crossed my mind it was a coping mechanism. Never, never, ever. I thought that when you're at home, it means that you have more time to yourself, more time with your friends, I mean, with your family, more time with your kids. But no, 
it's not. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that's all. So here's the thing. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, they really need a lot of attention. I'm not saying that, you know, everyone is doing this for coping. Yeah, I mean, I mean there are a lot of attention seekers out there. Sure, sure. So my question to you is, so what if they're attention seekers? Why yeah. does it make us feel bad in some way? It's interesting, right? It's... Because I have no problem with attention seekers. Oh, she's attention seeking. Okay. But why does it affect you? But there is a study I read somewhere that uh, I think it was either the, the Harvard Review or the BBC. It mentioned that uh, the people who spend a lot of time on social media has has uh, unknown or underlying issues. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it is backed up by facts, but but I was reading that and they were harping on like, yeah, people are disassociated from reality. That's why they're in social media. So I was like, okay, it's from the Harvard BBC. I guess it has credentials, I guess. Uh-huh, I guess. yeah. A, so, I mean, so that's why I had my judgment, my, my thought when people are going haywire on social media during the pandemic, said, wow, attention maximum overload, guys. But again, who cares? They like it, they like it. It's good. I guess the reason why, to answer your question, it bothers me is that, is that what they have to look for in life most of the time through social media? I understand it's everyone's under lockdown, but we can talk like this. We can, you know... We can have uh, intimate conversations and so on and so forth. Uh, we don't need to post tube top shirts with skirts and then dancing to whatever, you know. Uh, is, is, that's the thing that irks me. Why can't we just have intimate conversations like this or over the phone or, you know. As long as you meet that social quota, I think it, it's, it's okay, you know. Uh, I don't know how to eloquently put it that it bothers me, but I do know that I feel like rather than you spend time on TikTok or whatever, give me a buzz, WhatsApp me, uh, or, or, or Zoom call me, or Skype me. I'm here to chat until your ears fall off, or at least to hear you talk until my ears fall off. So it doesn't matter, vice versa. I feel that that has more connection, builds more bonds, and, and it's more human. It's more human, really. Uh, again, personal right. view. Of course. Yeah. Right. From what I'm hearing is, uh, what I see is an introvert talking about an extrovert. You know, all the things that they dislike about extrovert. Wait, let me see. Do I have the book? I, I have the book somewhere. <laughs> I know. Okay. 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 I know. You know what introverts? You're too much, you know, you talk too much, you're so annoying, or you seek a lot of attention, and then the extras will be like, you're so weird, you're not friendly, you're so stuck up, and shit like that. It's just a difference in personality, and to be honest, I'm going to tell you this, like, um, I don't think everybody are comfortable with intimate talks like this, you know. You know why? Because oh. people are not willing to be vulnerable to talk about things that is close to the heart. And usually the introverts do it best. 
the introverts do it best. But extroverts, you ask them a question that's slightly deeper, they're gonna like, you know, they're gonna distract you, they're gonna talk about something else. Oh yeah, so it's fine, whatever. So, well, some people are, I'm not gonna call them shallow, but <laughs> they're just more comfortable with not too deep topics. Okay. So that's why they do all this stuff on social media. I don't mm. know. Maybe that's one of the reasons. But at the end of the day, I think we are, we are very, very complex human beings. Mm. And the fact that human behavior have no hard signs to prove anything. Mm. So the use of social media, mm. it's we don't really have a definite answer. You can ask like the best professors, mm. the most known researchers, like why do people behave such a way on social media? Mm. I don't think they have a definite answer. There's so many mm. different variables, different aspects, you know, nobody can answer that. And it happens so fast, so gradually, like people change all the time. Mm. Mm. Okay. I, I, think, I think a valuable lesson for me is that, that I, I, I am judgmental in that sense. Um, but here's the thing, you know. Uh, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> no, no, but, We're all judgmental. But, but, you know, to but, a certain extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. we all are. But, but here's the thing, because I thought that, here, my, this is an assumption, I thought that as long as you are talking to someone, because like you mentioned, we are, we're humans. We need that connection. We need that bonding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make, agree, definitely. We are social creatures, to be frank. So, I assume when you have an hour a day talking to, like to you or talking to your wife or cat or spouse or boyfriend or mom, whatever, that is enough to ensure that you're right, you're cool, you know, an hour a day, an hour a day, that's it. Um, because even when we're working, we don't really create a connection. We are on a surface level to one another when we're at work. Um, I can tell you honestly that in my office, I connect with less than, less than my 10 fingers actually. That people I can connect, that people I see that, hey, we can go beyond the small talk. We can go talks that, that I learn something, that you learn something. And to me, I take that as, 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 as a gem, as a treasure because because you're, you're not only creating connections, but you're learning something as well. You're developing yourself as well. And it's, it's way better than social media. <laughs> again, again, just me, just me. I'm sure my listeners will be saying, fuck you, Ray, I love my social media. But, but it's just me, that's all, that's all, yeah. No, a lot of people are like you, a lot of people are like you. But there's also a lot of people who are not capable of deep, intimate connections. Okay, is okay, all right, all right, fair enough. But do you a lot of people seek external validation to feel good? Ooh, external validation, okay. And if that's what helps them at the moment, that's mm. their journey, you know. One day they're gonna find out that, you know, this external validation doesn't work for me anymore. Mm. Usually when they fail. Usually when they have go through a really hard time of being bashed. That, you know, their whole sense of being, their self-confidence, self-esteem, everything is gone. Then they're going to rethink a strategy okay. instead of seeking external validation. But a lot of people are still on that journey. Okay. And we can't blame them because that's how their parents have conditioned them. And that's how the media has taught them to be. You know, you're going to look good in a certain way so that guys like you. Mm, 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 mm. 
Okay. Yeah, not everybody is like not not everybody is awakened to the fact that you know we should be self sufficient when it comes to validation, and that's why therapists, counselors, and psychologists are around to do the job. That's why you should be easy to get a job for you. You know, it should be well because people don't think they need that right now. That's denial, though. That's denial. Uh-huh. Because so, there are a lot of easier ways to do it. Because uh, therapy itself is painful. It's not an easy thing where you go in, you feel relaxed, you come out, and aha, today is a new day. It's not. It's hours and hours of crying, days and days of being dysfunctional. And to be honest, like having a good night out drinking is way easier than just dealing with therapy. That's why we usually don't go for the difficult path, right? We mm. go for the easier ones. That's just mm. how we are wired. I just want to backtrack a bit when you mentioned about external validation and internal validation. Now, is there a expiry date for internal validation or external validation? Like you say, some people, they still need the external validation. Some are at the point like, it's all about internal validation. Now, um, is that going to keep is that going to stay with that person for so long if that person needs external validation or there's there will come to a point some big thing that happened to them where they're like you know what forget external validation i'm done you know is there an expiry date for okay. that usually what i've observed in the clients and the people that i've met and with my peers as well and myself like i depend a lot on external validation until mm. recently right mm. it's usually when a crisis happens like you get your heart broken enough times somebody close to you died you had a failure in your career you like the whole world hates you and all then you're gonna realize that hey this is not working out i gotta you know figure something out Mm. But there are also a portion of people who usually are the wealthy ones. Mm. They always they can they have enough resources to find ways to get their validation met because mm. they are wealthy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, in my experience, I think wealthy people it's harder for them to because they have too much resources to like it. Mm. Just get away. I'm not happy. I go away on a holiday. I have lots of sex. Yeah, yeah. You know, I buy lots of cars and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Have you ever seen like you know some old cougars who still like you know who dress inappropriately for their age and still going out there and trying to get the attention of young men and all? Yes, I've yes I've seen them. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh. So that is external validation, and it is ageless. It really depends on everybody's journey. Anyway, uh, moving on, you know, no, it doesn't. It doesn't really. It doesn't. It doesn't. It takes pain. It takes pain. Okay. Remember, it doesn't take like you know people with external val- who who depends on external validation when they have babies is so dangerous because they're gonna teach their babies that. And the child is going to depend on validation their whole life as well. You know, I got to mm. look good. I have to have, to have to have good grades. I have to have a great body and all that. So I would say it's actually an intergenerational thing as well. Mm. So you, nobody's at blame for, you know, seeking external validation, actually. You, you mentioned that pain would be the awakening for them from external validation. Now, why pain? So, so my... Pain is the catalyst to growth and change. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. It is. It is. Pain is. Hello. Okay. Hello. Yeah. 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 Hello. Hi. Yes. What is the last? So, so my last, the last thing I asked was that, why must pain be the catalyst for everything that is good or bad to stop? Why can't it be not pain? Uh, I have a simple answer and I have a very complicated answer as well, but I'm going to choose the simple answer for this session because pain itself is really a big topic. Like if you want to, we can continue it. Uh, we can talk about it for an hour okay. or so. Okay. But the simple answer is this. When you're comfortable, would you actually bother to change? When everything is so nice, you know, you have a nice couch to sit on, you have a nice TV, you have a nice wife. Mm -hmm. Would you even bother to change any of that? Uh, no, I don't need to change. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I was asking you, what, what is a bad thing? Mm, that, okay, that's a good question. What is a bad thing? Uh, uh, complacent. Um, um, refuse to adapt um, refuse to change that's bad is that what you think that's what i've read okay that's what most of the mark no not mark manson uh what's the guy's name the guy's name uh, gary vaynerchuk being complacent is the worst thing or a death of a person is he like a business motivational speaker or some sort? I haven't heard of his name before. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, okay, that makes sense then. <laughs> Why? Because they never want you to stay complacent in business. Remember that. Remember the context of when some self-help gurus are trying to tell you something, right? Yeah. Um, I think there are many, many interpretations to this, but this is what I believe in. You always have a choice. When you choose to be complacent, you need to deal with the consequences, right? Okay. There are a lot of cons to being complacent, like you're never going to find out, you're never going to be confident of who you are because you've actually never gone through a hardship and see yourself in action when, when you try to overcome these challenges. You're never going to find out who you are. You've never tried anything else before. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just the same question as should I marry the first boyfriend that I've met or should I just go out and keep fucking around until I meet, I know what I want and then find somebody that I want. Mm -hmm. There are pros and, pros and cons in these both situations. Mm -hmm. True. I think the important question is are you at peace with your state of being right now? That's a very good question. Yeah. Actually. Like, are you okay with being complacent? Because for me, I'm okay with being complacent. Sometimes, mm -hmm. but sometimes I'm not okay with it. And mm -hmm. I tell myself, like, okay, this is time to get out. Like, but the most important thing at the end of the day is I have to accept my choice because I need to be, I need to consciously know that I chose to be complacent. So the mm -hmm. dangerous thing is people are not aware, people mm -hmm. are not conscious that they're actually making a choice to be complacent. They thought, ah, I just, mm -hmm. I just went with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. And people are, or people who are not consciously making a choice to actually step out of the comfort zone, then they will feel like, you know, what is so hard? Does that make sense? Well, here's the you thing. You look pretty dark. 
right now. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not doubtful. When you were explaining to me about the complacent and where is it coming from, your your camera just froze. So all I heard, <laughs> all I heard was that, and I was like, okay, once she's done and she's back to normal, I'm going to ask her that I didn't catch that. <laughs> okay, so which part did you not catch? Where did I stop? So it's uh, where you where you stop was that. Are you okay with being complacent? Because for me or for you is that I'm okay with being complacent, but sometimes I'll get out of it and do something about it, and it has to be my choice. I have to be yeah. aware of that. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I think basically that's the gist of it because when you are aware that you're making that choice, it doesn't make you feel helpless. You feel mm. in control mm. and you feel good even though you're complacent. Like, yeah, I'm complacent and I don't give a shit about it because I accept myself for who I am. I'm at peace with being complacent. Okay. Or, yeah... I choose to be out of the comfort zone. You know, this is fucking hard, but I made a choice. Mm. I made this choice, so I'm going to get through whatever that I need to get through. Wow. <laughs> I've learned so much, and, and it's a good thing, actually. I, actually, I'm glad we had this talk because, um, to be honest, I am really curious about the mind. How, how is the mind coping up in these challenging times. And I think what you have conveyed today um, is crystal clear. And of course, a bit of a lesson for me for being judgmental as well, which I know. Um, so you're, not, you're still not getting the gist of it. Have compassion for yourself. Stop calling yourself judgmental because I, I, I didn't think you were judgmental. Did I, I even use that word? No, I no, don't think so. No, but, I, but it's like, damn, I'm mean. I'm such a mean asshole, but... But yeah, you're right. I I I, sh- I should yeah, I should be kind to myself. <laughs> but, I think you're very hard on yourself just based I, on the statement that you just made about yourself. I think I, you're you need more compassion and kindness for yourself, definitely. Yeah, you know what? I I need I need to give more focus on myself instead of like taking care of other people, how they're doing, you know, how they're coping up, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it sounds self- so, it sounds selfish, but. I guess it's okay. I guess it's okay, yeah. No, I think that's the basis of it. Like, um, even as counsellors and therapists, our own well-being is number one. Like, Mm. not the clients, not our family, not whoever. So, I I have a question for you. Okay, sure. (laughs) Were were you actually, uh, because our topic was kind of impromptu and we didn't actually plan anything, were you actually planning to address some of the current issues like you know how this COVID-19 and this uh, MCO thing you know like would do you have any questions to ask about that? Um, actually one of the questions I asked earlier was like do you think people's uh, state mental state health state or mental health in COVID-19 is getting worse or getting better because now we're listening to people who are who who are having to go through domestic abuse, you know, and 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 I don't understand because if you're with your family, you'd be like, be grateful. But instead, you know, some people can't hack it. Some people feel claustrophobic. So, is it 
is it really de degenerating our mental health this COVID-19? It definitely affects our mental health and I would say in a bad way rather than a good way because first of all our freedom is taken away from us mm. so some people feel would feel angry helpless hopeless disappointed you know why is this happening and and uh you know this is my authority being stripped away and the the funny thing is you know if you're in jail you probably you'll probably feel better than being quarantined because when you're quarantined you can still see like you know there's civilization there's peace out there but yet you can't reach it you know this mm. that kind of irony mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so it, it is a lot of stress at this time and i think especially for people who have mental health issues mm. But uh, we all are dealing with this, like we're not alone in this. And uh, this is the message that I send to all the employees in my company as well, you know, like because people are not talking to one another, people are not really talking about their struggles. Mm -hmm. So they thought like, you know, I'm the only one who's struggling with this. But the fact is everyone is struggling with this. Mm -hmm. It affects people on so many levels, you know, on marriages, on... Yeah. Have, have you heard that in China, like so many people get divorced after yeah. the lockdown because oh my they just couldn't stand each other? And also, like to follow up with the point that you say that we are social creatures, and the fact being of being isolated, bad is depressive enough, you know, okay. for our psyche, you know. Okay, understand, understand. I understand. That's why that's why people that's why people still try to talk to each other on video calls, you know, they call each other, they try to be social on social media because it, at least it's a fabricated social life mm. better than none, mm. that kind of thing. Okay. So yeah. And I think it's harder on uh, mental health patients. Like if you ask me to be honest, I have no idea how to help them except like they can do like Skype counseling. And the good thing is the government bodies and mm. the NGOs have given so many like Talian Kase and mm. all these open lines to actually help people who are struggling with mental health. Yeah. And there are a lot of volunteers out there. Like some of my peers are volunteers themselves that they give just free counseling during this period. Mm. I think everyone's just trying to do their best at this time. Mm. And the best thing you can do for yourself is to survive through this and to take care of your health. Nothing else is more important right now. Your loved ones, your health, mm. that's it. Yeah, I couldn't have wrapped it up better myself actually. Because um, it has been a very very interesting topic for me to talk about mental health during the pandemic um it's just that i i, I never knew the effects that this would be you know on the whole nation was so heavy you know because again i'm not like everybody else everybody else is not like me i've been in quarantine i've been in home for 30 days i love it i'm like yeah woo you know i i love it and that's why when I see other people like losing it, I never understood that. Uh, I couldn't compute. It's like, hey, you guys don't have to go to the office. Isn't that awesome? You know, so, but yeah. It's, it's, I, yeah, I spoke to 50 different employees in my company for the last week, uh, trying to help them cope with this lockdown. Yeah. Everybody has a different, uh, different reaction to it. Some Ooh. are reacting emotionally, some are reacting behaviorally, some are 
reacting physiologically, which means they get sick and all. And some are just happy. And some are at different stages. You know, there's these five stages of coping when when you see a trend. I'm not going to go into that. And everyone's just at a different uh, stage. It depends on our psychological makeup, like I said. Before that, I want to ask that whatever you mentioned to me just now about your employees that you talk to, now, is that PNC or not? Because if it's PNC, I'll cut it out. Oh, no, it's fine. I don't think I've announced anywhere that where I work, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't. You haven't. Yes, you just and said I have, And I have not breached confidentiality as well because I didn't mention names. It's ah. a very general general thing. So cool. the thing about defamation is at least two parties have to know about it. So that's all fine. Okay. Don't worry. I only have like 40 listeners on my podcast, so you're fine. <laughs> so don't worry. I hope you know. <laughs> and you know what? You know what? what? Uh, are we ending soon? Because I want to say something to you before we end. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're about to wrap up actually. Is there... Okay, sorry. Okay. okay. Is there anything that you want to say um, to the listeners or to me? anything please so this is my last uh not last i'm not dying so this is uh the last thing i'm gonna say and it is especially dedicated to you ray okay all right okay yeah so uh i think in naga when i was having a really really hard time you were one of those people who actually made me felt better and it didn't feel that bad you know being in the office whenever i had a chance to work with you and i think you're the only guy who didn't judge me like you know i've had a hard time because i had a colleague who spreads rumors about me and my reputation is gone from day one but you know you were just cool you were just this humble cool guy even though like you're a copywriter you didn't like you know play the copywriter card with me it's like we're equal and then uh when we had a chance to work together it i honestly feel happy i've never felt that way with any other people because everyone has an attitude and they don't like me for some reasons i don't know why Mm. uh and after knowing that you've gone through that journey Mm. of like being uh, retrenched and and then now that you're doing this podcast I think you are doing something really meaningful for other people and most of all for yourself like I can see how this is actually helping you to heal as well like you are getting I think you're on the right track and you are getting there and I think like um there's always a reason why things happen, but as long as you stay as a good person and never forget who you are, don't ever forget who you were when, you know, when I first got to know you, you know, you were like that guy who like freaking calmed me down when I'm trying to give you a briefing. Do you remember? You even like, you, I said, you know, I'm so nervous when I'm doing the briefing that because yeah. you're looking at me yeah. and you said, okay, I'm going to close my eyes and you can start doing the briefing right now. <laughs> you crap. actually did that to okay. like help me you know okay cool good good to know that I, I i did something right i did something right cool yeah you're a great guy keep oh, it up th- thank you I, and I, I, I am more than honored to like be able to talk to you and be on your podcast hello hello the, no no the, the pleasure hello, sorry the pleasure is mine uh really and 
your kind words, really, I, 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 I thank you for that. My last words for you would be, not because I'm going to die or whatever, is that, uh, <laughs> is that um, I think you are, you are still the Mandy that I know, but you're stronger. You have upgraded yourself. You're uh, debonair. Oh. You're, you're more elegant now. And you seem to have everything in control. And of course, you're being realistic about yourself, which is good. You're being real about yourself, which is good. And I, I yeah, don't, don't change for anyone. You change for you. You know, you change for you. That's all. So, uh, thank you so much for being on MBA. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I hope I didn't take a long time. It's just like around one hour and 10 minutes only. Uh, and yeah, I, I hope. There's the next time. And yeah, so I'll catch you around. Catch you around. Keep spreading love, my friend. Will do, will do. Take care, Amanda. Take care. Take care. Bye. 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 Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Malayu Bacakap American. I apologize in advance if it was a bit choppy in between um, because it was done with a Zoom call and then I had to record it with my sound recorder. But I hope you've picked up something useful, learned something interesting from this talk and I will try to improve further the quality of the podcast. But still, thank you for the support. Thank you for subscribing, listening and sharing this. Uh, and I will see you guys around with better stuff. Take care.